And welcome to Canada Obscura. My name is Mary. I'm Shelly. And this is a show where we talk about all sorts of spooky, scary things that take place in Canada. And that includes true crime, hauntings, uh, ghost stories, cryptids, cryptids etc. <laughs> Weird bits of history That's sometimes. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the format of the show is we each present a... Sorry, uh, hold on. I'm just watching you holding that mug of coffee. Oh and God. every time you move, I see it just moving ever closer to the edge of the mug. Oh my God. Why, it's like, making me why is this a running meme of our podcast? Because like, it's ju- me, that's man. just how you function. I'm a mess. Um, the format of the show is we each pick a, uh, a, story, a story to present. Not a show. Each, <laughs> fuck me. We each <laughs> present a story and, uh, and the other one doesn't know about it. And so we... Usually. Usually. And uh, we discover things together. <laughs> I lost trail of that. Yeah. We're also rambly, we swear. And there's a general content warning um because this is like a true crime horror podcast yeah we talk about some harrowing shit so if um we we are we try to be vigilant about posting trigger warnings but if there's something that like i mean obviously we're going to talk about like murder sexual assault child abuse torture yeah yeah yeah. um so if it's something that will affect you perhaps come back another day we will try to point out anything particularly gruesome before we talk about the particular gruesome thing yeah um okay now that all that's out of the way um, so we're like on a super time crunch, super time crunch because life fucking sucks. <laughs> so, uh, we are in my house, but, um, we have house guests, um, coming, but one of which is a surprise. Uh, <laughs> so everything kind of like hit the fucking fan today. And so if you hear noises in the background, namely my mother screaming, I apologize, <laughs> but there's nothing we can do. We tried to book out a space, but everything is booked because apparently everybody wants to record on the Friday before the Thanksgiving Canadian weekend, which I don't... Either that or they're act- maybe they're closed early, now that I think uh, about it. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I don't know. Well, either way, they should have been open at like three or something yeah. when I checked because there was nothing. Um, but um, yeah, so apologies for that. How are you, Shell? I've actually had a pretty good week. I was saying I should buy a lottery ticket this week because it's been just that lucky. Mm-hmm. So I found out that I won um, the giveaway draw at my kickboxing gym. And then I finally got an email telling me that I'm starting my clinical placement. Hey. Which I've been waiting for. For five months? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Which is since May. one month shy of when you should have been finishing everything. Yeah, yeah so we were supposed to, I should have been done by... September and yeah. it's in October and I am just starting but I'm starting and it's at a pretty good hospital and it's accessible to me so it's all Yay. good and I also get paid today <laughs> oh, yeah um sorry for the mic noises there's like a fuzz on it that's really bothering me um I took up crocheting since the last time that we recorded because Mary's turning into an old lady I'm an old lady but like I'm an anxious fucking mess and I have to watch a lot of shit for my classes, obviously, since, you know, video production. But anyway, um, no surprise there is what I mean. But uh, <laughs> I am very, very bad at sitting still. As she very says this, bad. I'm fiddling with my I'm going to catch every noise right of that. I'm going to catch every... I can hear that. Oh, my God. We're taking that away from you. No. Put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I started to take up crocheting because Shelly... She's got this shit-eating grin on her face. If you get to be a little shit last episode, I get to be okay, a little shit true. this yeah. episode. We have, we have no time this time. 
Um, yeah, so it, it has helped a whole lot because, like, having, like, that repetitive something to focus my hands yeah. on helps a whole lot. And so I'm, I'm finding that I'm less fidgety when I'm doing stuff. And I did get it to also do it on the podcast, but, like, I... You're holding a mug of I'm coffee holding right a mug now. of Please coffee. Please don't crochet while and here. <laughs> no, this is a priority right now. Um, my week was also a complete fucking shit show in entirety. Um, but it was also... I had a couple of good moments. Like, I... I went to my prof's, um, the prof got commissioned by a major telecommunications network here, um, to do a TV show. I don't know if I, if I'm okay to, I feel like that's fine to mention it. I think just nothing specific is usually yeah. good enough. Yeah. But, um, nothing it's... Nothing identifying. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, the premiere, yeah, last night, um, and so, like, we, it was, like, party thingy, whatever you want to call it, and, like aired all the episodes and I volunteered to help out. It was, it was, it was cool. It was cool kind of being like, oh, I went to like a premiere, you know, yeah. whatever. It was nice to see that. And it was also kind of very frantic because there was like six <laughs> of us who had volunteered, but in reality, me and another woman showed up and that was it. And, um, Sounds about right. Oh my God. I had to like put on manager Mary pants, <laughs> you know, because it was like, everything was like, we had three hours in the space because we were at a, uh, um, uh, what's a generic term for it? We were at a fancy building. <laughs> like a banquet hall? No, it no. was... Um, or a conference it was, thing? It, no, it's basically a museum. Okay. It was fancy. Okay. Um, and we got to use the space there, which is super, super cool. So it was like quite literally we had the premiere and there's artwork everywhere. It was nice. Huh. Um, and so like we had to do setup and tear down. At the end, but I was also filming it just for, like, my prof's own, like, I know, like, Shell just looked at my coffee. Um, <laughs> it makes me so anxious. Ugh. But, um, yeah, so it was, like, the other woman just kind of, like, didn't know what to do because I didn't know what to do either. But sometimes, sometimes you just have to pretend you know what you're doing. That's so, me in my entire life. Yeah. So, um, the, at, at the end, we only had 20 minutes to have everything taken down and that's including like the screen, the projector, the, oh um, God. the speakers, the audio, the mixing booth, the fucking, the chairs, the tables, like the freaking, the snack bar, all that. We had to get all of that out of there. So I was Were like. allowed to eat the snacks? Yeah, but I didn't have that's, any. Oh. I didn't want to get grease on the gear. So, um, oh. he was even like, you should eat pizza. And I was like, look, man. I appreciate it, but um, I'm not touching your Napkins, stuff. Napkins, friend. Yeah, but too much effort. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was just kind of like I just recruited a bunch of people. And it was like, go, 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 go. And one of them was like, oh, my God, how many times have you done this before? And I was like, literally never. You and I are going to find this out together. Now press that button. <laughs> like, it was just, she was like, oh, okay. But yeah, no, but it was good, but I'm very tired. I'm always tired. Yeah. So I had a good week, but I was really, I'm, yeah. I feel tired and slightly headachey, but mm. that's nothing new. I have chronic no. headaches yeah. and they suck. Anyway, shall we get on with it? Yes. Yeah. You start okay. this week. Um, so my story is pretty damn short. Well, the heat just turned on. I was like, what oh. the hell is that noise? I can hear that through the headphones. Jesus. Um, so it's a Quebecois folktale that I put as kind of misogynist, to be honest. Lovely. I mean, I like the moral of it isn't supposed to be, but the way that it's told definitely has misogynist undertones. I but gotcha. I'll keep in mind it is an old timey kind of folktale. So mm-hmm. not that it excuses it, but that's why. Yeah. Um, this is the story of Rose La Tulipe. Okay. Um, which is uh, apparently this is a pretty common like French Canadian story. So. I don't know. Um, 
she's apparently like she's usually said to be the daughter of a wealthy family in Quebec. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's obviously many variations in the story. Of course. Because it's, like I said, old. Um, the most basic version is that this is the evening of Mardi Gras. Um, so the La Tulipe family is hosting a ball or a party at their mansion. And guests will obviously be drinking, partying, feasting, but only until midnight because then that marks um, the start of Ash Wednesday, which is the right. beginning of Lent. Yes. Um, and obviously you can't have any fun on Lent. Or, I don't know, obviously, I'm not Um, It's just Catholic. the first day is Ash Wednesday, <laughs> so you do the whole, like, ash cross on the forehead, like, what do you call it? I don't know. Uh, church thingy, mass. Um, <laughs> fuck, I'm tired. Um, yeah, and it, then you give up something for 40 days to show your devotion. I once gave up chocolate. Wow. Yeah. I tried to give up coffee one year, back when I was <laughs> still pretending course, to be Catholic. Of course you tried to give up coffee. It lasted coffee. two days, and I was like, fuck it. God will forgive me. <laughs> uh, yeah. You need to function. That's mm-hmm, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was frank with a with a classmate, being like, "Yeah, I have a caffeine addiction," and then he was just kind of like, "Oh, ha, ha ha me too." I was like, "No, I have a caffeine addiction." He was like, "Oh, should I be concerned?" I was like, "No, leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not like you don't shake. Once in school, um, no. one of my classmates. He he has a caffeine addiction, like yeah. multiple, multiple large cups of coffee a day. Okay, that's fucked, yeah. And there was once, I think we were just hanging out in classroom um, before class because it was like the downtime between two classes. Mm. And he's just going through his presentation that he has to do for the next class. And his his hand is like, it's like he had Parkinson's, Shaking. yeah, like really bad Parkinson's. And That's then fucked. he was going through his presentation. He's like, okay, can, like, I'm just going to go through it. Just ignore me. And he's kind of, like, sort of presenting. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching him, and his hand is, like, going all over the place because he's so, jit- like, he's, like, fist yeah. pumping. That's because wild. he's Yeah. And I'm like, are you okay? Do we need to get you to a doctor? And he's like, no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's happened before. I'm shakes. like, it's happened before. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm just grumpy. No. He, I'm just grumpy. Um, and then, I, like, every now and then when I go without coffee for a couple of days, I get a headache, but it usually alleviates, or I just have sugar and it's okay, but, like... No, he... It's wild. He had... His friends had an intervention and kept mm. him off coffee for a while. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't remember how that went, but anyway. Um, so, again, this is the most basic telling of the story. A stranger arrives at the mansion late at that night, mm-hmm. and they're partying, they're having fun, so the family just welcomes him in as a guest. Um, and he catches Rose's attention. So she dances with him, and in most variations of the story, um, there's talk of her leaving behind her fiancé, who I get the impression is meant to kind of be, like, dull. Um, in some versions, she's kind of described as, like, a very frivolous, flirty girl. Okay. Um, so, like, she apparently was dancing with, like, every dude at the party except for her fiancé. Um... So she dances with the stranger and he kind of tempts her or like hypnotizes her or, you know, they're just dancing and she's not thinking about it, but uh, she doesn't stop dancing at midnight, even though she's supposed to. And some versions have the people trying to stop her from dancing, but she's like getting paler and paler and she's not like fully aware anymore. Okay. Um... And in some versions, the stranger apparently gives her some kind of gift, like a necklace, and when she touches it or puts it on, she faints. Oh. Um, the stranger is then revealed to be the devil, who then runs <laughs> off with her. And I put, I mean, if he looks like Lucifer from the show, 
which I will show you a picture because I looked him up just for you. I mean, I know oh. what he looks like, but oh, he's handsome. Yeah, if um, he looks like that, I'm like, mm, like mm-hmm, I don't, yeah, I don't okay, blame I'll you at all, Rose. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's said that she's never seen from again, so this is maybe like a Hades Persephone. Okay, I don't yeah. know. Um, more gruesome versions of the story tells of her being found the next morning dead and naked in the snow. Ew. And in some variations there's like a happier ending in which a priest arrives in the nick of time and stops the devil oh. and casts him out before rose is taken yeah. um so yeah like i i put in many versions she's described as like frivolous and flirty okay so that was kind of like the slut shimmy part to me oh yeah of, yeah because you're like eh. yeah um yeah. it's really supposed to be a cautionary tale against kind of like breaking that religious ban mm. like you know, there's consequences if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read it, I really just read it as being kind of misogynist, especially when you tell it in modern times, when it's like, don't be, don't be focused on having fun. Yeah. And and that Cindy Lauper song. Girls Girl just want to have fun. Have yeah. Fun. Yeah. And that's it. That's the story. I told you it was short. Yeah. That, yeah. well, I mean, that was my ankle. Um, <laughs> Yes. Um, I, was just I don't know. Say, like, you that, just had that, a pause. No, I don't have a comment about it. It's uh-huh. just kind of like a very kind of like. Yeah. It's, eh. it's just folklore. Yeah. That's kind of had. It's apparently it's like a pretty. I don't know. Yeah. But apparently it's like a very commonly told, or maybe it was. I don't know if it is anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, if um, the devil looks like Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, on. Um, lucifer then uh yes please bitch send it my way <laughs> basically yeah um thanks for sharing that yes that was interesting <laughs> i like i just like I, I whenever i hear stories like that it's just like okay of course everything's always a girl's fault like that's yeah just, it's just that's the only thing i have to say about like that's why i put on right? like it seems very misogynist right to exactly me. i like, mean maybe reading into it too much because again it's supposed to be about it's always every single story like that. like it's, it's always like, a girl it's always a why was it not the dude yeah, yeah, yeah. why was it not the dude and if it's a dude, it's always just revenge and vengeful and you're like can't a dude just be fucking sad man yeah. like fuck <laughs> Oh, also, before you start, mm-hmm. there was gonna there was an update that I was gonna talk about about Paul Bernardo. When you told me that earlier, I don't know why I read it as Bruce, uh, uh, Bruce Mc uh, what's his name Bruce MacArthur. Mc- no, no, it's Paul Bernardo. Wow, I'm a dumbass. I read that entirely wrong because wow, called me, I, I called her earlier and she was telling me this update that she's about to share, and like I was like at Canadian Tire buying zip ties for my dad. So I was, like, trying Which to find sounds zip really ties. sketchy. I know. Especially when we're talking we're gonna about We're going to leave it killers. at that now. But it's like, <laughs> so I was, like, already in a rage because, like, my entire day got derailed and I was like, ah. And then, yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so Paul Bernardo, mm-hmm. I'm sure most people have heard of him. Uh, he and his wife, Carla Homoka, were the Ken and Barbie killers. Yes. Uh, of Scarborough. Paul, yeah, Paul... Well, no, this Scarborough was... rapist. Yeah, he was a Scarborough rapist before he became the Ken of the Ken and Barbie. Because I think that happened oh. in the Niagara region, because that was where Carla Homoka was from. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so okay. they're two of Canada's most, like, famous serial killers. They're absolutely disgusting, mm-hmm. terrible people. Yeah, oh, I'm sure um, you've heard of them. Everyone's so Carla Homoka, as many people know, was released on parole and has a kid and was volunteering at the kid's school, which was like, what the fuck? Um, Paul Bernardo... 
is still in prison, but he's actually up for parole soon. Oh. And um, so his parole hearing is supposed to happen later this year, I think. Because yeah, it was not going to get out, though. It was a 25, like, it was a life sentence, but eligible parole after, after 25, 25 years. years so which is a general, quote-unquote, life sentence. Yeah. yeah so um, he was actually charged recently for possessing a weapon while in prison. He apparently had a shank made of, like, a screw or something that oh was, my God. like, taped to a pen. You know what? I'm glad that he did that because, like, even that though he had... Over. Yeah, man. Yeah. He, he's obviously not rehabilitated, first of all. Second of all, like, the, the, not that they would have let him walk, but that really is, like, they're no. not going to let him walk. Um, but I think the trial for that charge actually started today. Uh... Yeah. So that's kind of the little true crime interesting update because... You kind of, like, these serial killers, you hear about them getting put away, and then it's like, okay. And then what? Yeah. yeah. And then maybe they die, or maybe they get on parole, but yeah. you don't hear about a new charge. What was that noise? It sounded like static. You heard that too? Yeah. It was like a... T- I'm scared. Okay, whatever. Rain. We're just gonna keep going. Because it wasn't, for once, it wasn't a joint of mine. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was like a little yeah. Flick. It, well, I'm the one. Static. Yeah, I'm the one wearing the earphones, so it was like really loud. Anyway, um, so the 2014 Calgary stabbing is a story that I'm going to be talking about today. I'm gonna have to hear because Mary, Mary kept st- saying, "You know it, you know it." I'm like, "Watch me not know it." Oh, you know it. <laughs> um, so this takes place on April 15th, 2014, and this Which involved was 15 days before I graduated university. Two weeks before I graduated. Oh, did you graduate on the 30th? Is that technically, technically, technically yeah. That's yeah. when it ended, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is based on Matthew DeGrude, who was, I believe, how old was he at the time? I, uh, he was 22 at the time. And this took place at the University of Calgary. So was our, he's our age? Uh, yeah, probably, 22, yeah. Because I was yeah. about, how yeah. old was I? Yes, 22. 22 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We math um, good. We also know our ages. Yeah. Our own ages. We're functioning adults. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> God, I'm useless. But anyway, um, so he, yeah, he attended the University of Calgary, and he was, uh, like, before this incident that I'm going to talk about, he was planning on attending law school. Um, and he was an employee of Safeway. I didn't even know we had those here. Safeway. It's a supermarket chain. But it's like an American supermarket yeah, chain. Yeah, it's kind I of. I didn't know that we had one of those. I thought it was really old. We used to. I know my uh, mom used to talk about them. Okay. But she's like, yeah, we don't have them anymore. Yeah. Okay. Like well. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, rest in pieces. But yeah, so he was an employee of Safeway, and he was a son of, uh, or he is the son of a city police officer, uh, who was an inspector, and his father is uh, police ins- Calgary police inspector Doug DeGrude. Which okay. might mean something to local people. Um, <laughs> not us. Not us, no. But we know a lot of our own constables, so... Um, oh, I don't. Well, yeah. If you pay attention to, like, CP24 and stuff like that, like the news, a lot of them, you get to know some of the names. Uh, like, uh, you know what? We're yeah, not going to go down always, that path. Because oh. they're always on... They're, like, the spoke, spokesperson for the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, um, Matthew DeGroote had gone to a house party, um... And there was about 30 people present at the party. And uh, Matthew was invited to said party. But around 1.20 a.m., um, they, they put the address in this. I'm not going to, whatever. Um, at about 1.20 a.m., he started stabbing people. 
He got oh. a large... Yeah, he got a... Okay. The, the house party stabbings. I think I vaguely remember yes. this. Um, so he got a large knife from the kitchen, and then he just went around stabbing people. And uh, each I mean, victim... Why not? Well, each victim was stabbed <laughs> multiple times. Oh my god. And yeah, he just went through, stabbed them all, and then he fled on foot. But he was arrested by police 40 minutes later with the aid of a canine unit. Um, yay, doggos. Yay. Good doggos. They're the best doggos. Officers. The officers. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, so the victims were, I'm going to name Hold them on. here. Can I just, before we talk about more sadness, have you seen that picture of like the dog swearing? Like no. someone put like, I looked up pictures of dog swearing and there was this picture of, I think it was a German Shepherd or a, a Malinois, I think. And they were swearing in the dog. So the dog had a paw on like oh, the Bible and it yeah, had like yeah, yeah. like the sternest looking face you have yeah. ever seen on a dog. I thought you meant swearing like fuck. I think that's what they were trying to look up. okay. And then they got a picture of a dog being sworn swearing in dog. instead. That's so funny. Oh, dog swearing. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. But anyway, so the victims were, yeah. The victims, I'm going to name them here. Uh, Joshua Hunter, Caitlin Perras. Jordan Segura, Lawrence Hong, and Zachariah Rothwell. And they range from the ages of 21 to 27, which is standard for university. Yeah. Um, uh, so, like, the four of them were uh, were from actual Calgary. One of them was from Pritis, Alberta. I think it's outside there. And okay. uh, so, um, Lawrence Hong, Jordan Segura, and Zachariah Rothwell were pronounced dead at the scene. Aww. And then uh, Joshua Hunter and Caitlin Paras died in hospital. So, um, Matthew was held at a secure psychiatric, psychiatric facility adjacent to the Calgary Remand Center, and, um, he personally knew at least one person that was present at the party, of course, because he yeah, was invited he was there. Um, and according to his parents and classmates, his behavior had started to change in the weeks before the stabbings. He began huh. posting more frequently on Facebook, submitting, quote, bizarre status update, updates. Oh. Yeah. And hours before the killings, he posted the title of a Megadeth song called Dread and the Fugitive Mind. And um, he sent text messages to his parents claiming he was going to harm himself. So, um, but he didn't harm himself. He, of course, harmed everybody else. Um, and this was only in the last few weeks before the stabbing? Yes. So it was kind of like things huh. took a, yeah. And it's, that would be the end of semester two. So it's been one hell of a fucking year. Yeah. 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 So, uh, not and that if, I'm excusing it, but, like, if, if things are starting to go weird... But it's... if he was... He was our age, so he was also graduating. Right. Yeah. 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 And if he wanted to go to law school, he would probably be trying to prepare for the LSATs. The LSATs, yep. Which is incredibly stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's, like, Liz. I love her. She, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know how she did it, because she is killing law school. Um... Oh, bad choice of words. I didn't mean that. Oh, no. I, I didn't. You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, anyway. Um, no so, actual killing involved. No. Uh, he was charged with five counts of first degree murder, and he was ordered to stand trial on May 29th, 2015. So uh, over a year after the um, attack. Yeah. He had no previous run-ins with the police because he was fine before and his dad is an yeah. officer. And uh, on May 22nd, he was found mentally fit to stand trial after undergoing a psychiatric assessment. Okay. So he was fit. Yeah. And then on the 29th of 2015, which is the actual trial, his trial was set to... Was that my stomach or your stomach that just... I didn't. My stomach didn't growl. I thought of something. Anyway. Oh, it was my... Um, my stomach growled. I don't know if you heard it. Oh, I got... 
my knee. Anyway, um, so on May 29th, 2015, the trial was set to begin on May 16th, 2016, a year later. Wait, with jury selection set to begin four days earlier, so May no, 12th. The, so the trial, wait, what was the 2015 date? He was, uh, he was ordered to stand trial on May oh, 29th, and okay. then his actual trial was May 16th, 2016, a year later. Okay. So at this point, he would have been, it's two years that he spent waiting for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, we've mentioned it before, where the legal system just takes... Forever. Forever to yeah. do stuff. And it's not it's not really the fault of the people. No, it's, no, no. It's just bogged down by a lot of different things. And there's a lot of things that go to trial that absolutely do not need to go to trial. Yeah. Like a lot of... Well, that's why you have preliminary hearings. Yeah. Because um, basically what that is, is both sides kind of go over briefly what they have so that the judge can determine if there's enough to even go to trial. Yeah. Because a lot of times um, the Crown does not have enough evidence and in that case I think they can file a motion to dismiss Mm. um, which is when the Crown is like well we fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Because you should not be trying to go to trial before you have enough evidence which is what the prelim hearing is supposed to determine. Yes. Because I think I've sat in on one or two of those. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of, I find those a little more fast-paced than a regular trial because you're going through things in brief. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rather than, like, going through everything, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, there is a reason why I picked him, by the way. There's more to this story. Like, I'm not ending there, but uh, there's there's an update in his story. Yeah, because I'm like... Well, there. What's his motive? No. Yeah. yeah. For so. Um. So, like I said, he was found mentally fit to stand trial. However, two years later, when he actually did go through the trial on May twenty fifth, twenty sixteen, DeGrude was found not criminally responsible for the homicides on the basis of a mental disorder, huh. schizophrenia, per two of three expert witnesses, and it, it caused a psych a psychotic episode during the killings. And according to his lawyer, he intentionally killed the five victims, but believed they were werewolves and vampires. Who threatened his life. Ah. Yes. The uh, the NCR order, I don't know what that means, means DeGrude will be locked down in a, uh, no, whatever. Will be <laughs> locked down in a psychiatric f- facility and receive periodic reviews that could lead to his release under certain conditions. And so, also just to note, because not criminally responsible. Oh, NCR is not criminally oh. responsible. <laughs> there we go, yeah, yeah. Because... In order for you to be criminally responsible, because obviously he did it, like obviously Mm -hmm. he killed it, and Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this probably in brief before where you have like the actus reus and the mens rea, which I just realized was actually briefly discussed in the first episode of How to Get Away with Murder. Oh. Um, The reason I saw this was because, (laughs) I said that is because um, I was watching this video that was like, like lawyer legal shows get lawyered. Yeah. So a lawyer talks about the accuracy, but... um, so actus reus again is the guilty act, which in this case he like is him stabbing. Okay. Um, and the mens rea is like your mental state that yeah. allows you to be responsible legally for a crime. Mm-hmm. So because like in Canada you have to be of a certain mental capacity in order to be like aware of your actions. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So if he was said to be, like, having a psychotic episode, then he's not mentally capable yeah. of, like, making correct judgments that you and I would make. Um, mm. So that's why he's not, like... It's kind of weird because it's, he's, like, still guilty, obviously, because there was an order for him to be put in a facility. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't culpable 
No, yeah. 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 And, like, I, I know it's pretty standard, and a lot of people, like, it doesn't happen often when they make that call, but when it does, you know it's a fucking yeah. serious call, because a lot of times they will argue as much as possible that somebody was responsible for it, even if you objectively can tell that, like, you're like, okay, I don't think that they did it probably in the right mind, but I, like... How many times yeah. have we heard people trying to call that and it's just like, well, no, it's also saying it. there was like the sleepwalking murders, oh, right? Where yeah. the guy who had never any issues with his in-laws didn't have a fight. I remember that. That was just fucked. sleepwalked and killed to, them. Yeah. And killed them. Yeah. And he wasn't held responsible because he wasn't even aware he was doing it. Yeah. Um, but they tried to argue as much as possible. Yeah. That, well, yeah. the thing is, though, I do want to point out because... Like, each side obviously has their duty to argue their side. Like, the prosecution has to argue that the person is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and then the defense has to say that, no, there is reasonable doubt. But at the end of the day, a lot of the lawyers, like, some of them are just doing their jobs. They're going to do their jobs oh, well. 100%. Yeah. But a lot of them really do believe in, like, justice. And they're yeah. never, they're not actually, like, you see in TV shows, they butt heads a lot. Yeah. Not all the time. No, like, I've no, sat no, no. In a they, trial they play it and... up. They play it up. No, they don't. They're, like, I've sat in trials where they're completely respectful to each other, and they're actually, like, trying to work things out that makes sense to the case mm-hmm. um, without... Uh, when I said they play it up, I mean, like, on TV. Oh, on TV, yeah, yeah, no. They play it up the food. Yeah, because it I've... makes for good television when they're screaming at each other. Because I, I sat in on trial and went on break, and then the, um... The one side was like, hey, like, how's it going? Are you still sick? Like, are you feeling better? Yeah, and they know like, each other. They yeah, get they're so colleagues. familiar. With, yeah. So. Especially when, like, if you were to be doing, uh, an, I guess, pro bono. Not pro bono. What, pro um, bono is kind of like, almost like charity. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not pro bono. It's when you get um, public defenders. That's it. Okay. When you, yeah, get, yeah. when you get assigned, especially, because not a lot of, I know that it's, like, harder to be that kind of lawyer, because I've heard anecdotally that people prefer different avenues because it's hard to do public defense because you don't get paid as much yeah you can't win as much yes and like regardless of what the defense is like if they're guilty or not or if they were like a murderer or a rapist or a child abuser or whatever like they have to suck it up and do it and some people are okay with that because they're like i'm just doing my job i don't really care but other people are like i have too much of a conscience like even though i'm a lawyer i have too much of a conscience to argue that side my um cousin in france Obviously, completely different civil, like, or not civil system, um, law, legal system. Yeah. But she's a criminal defense lawyer, and she okay. actually will not take sexual assault defense cases because yeah. she's like, she can't. She, live she, with she it. doesn't feel right. Yeah. But I mean, she's also established enough that she has that client base where she could she has choose. the leeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, yeah. So that that's that's another thing that you got to take into consideration. But they they don't show that on TV. No. Of course, because it's not interesting to see the fact that, oh, people are respectful to each other and they know each other well and they're colleagues. Like, it's not fun. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so the reason I brought him up... um, We only got on one tangent this time. I know, right? Um, So as of... What day is it today? Yeah, two days ago. um, They announced that he is going to be transferred uh, from Calgary to Edmonton for reintegration into community. Oh, yes. I think I saw this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the, which a lot of people are upset about, but yeah, so the, um, 
Yeah, I did. He's going to be transferred to a secured Edmonton hospital where he can take escorted trips into the community and maybe even allowed to live in a halfway house. So they were approved by the Alberta Review Board, and which held an annual hearing in September, when the member members of Digrud's, uh, like Matthew's treatment team, testified mm-hmm. about his progress and risk to the community. Um, so the board ordered that he, uh, like, who has been described as quote a model patient, um, so he's going to be transferred to Edmonton in order to ease his reintegration into the community because of the mm-hmm. quote toxic nature of what would likely he would likely experience in Calgary, which is where he did the murders. Yeah. Um, like, I remember I did read an article on this. That's why I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait. Um, because I know some a lot of people were concerned, like, yes, we understand, obviously, that he had a mental disorder, yeah. that he wasn't held culpable because he was not in the right state of mind. Yes. But the worry, and part of it is stigmatization um, of mental health. Yes. But part of it is also, like, with um, disorders like schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, you have... To, it's not... Like, you don't just get treated and then it's done. No, it's You have lifelong. to keep... Yeah. It's it's not so much treatment as it is... It's partly treatment, but it's management. Yes. And people are saying, well, there's no guarantee that he's going to stay on medication. So even though, you know, he might not be culpable, what's to stop this thing from happening again if he for whatever reason whether it's monetary reasons because meds are expensive but here's the thing in his case it's a little bit different um so his new treatment team at the edmonton or sorry the alberta hospital edmonton is the name of the hospital must Mm -hmm. approve the additional privilege first of all privileges first i can't fucking talk um, and then if the team agrees, he will be allowed passes to go out into the community as long as he is supervised by a, quote, responsible adult. Yeah. And he could also live in an approved residence with 24-hour supervision. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a, his lawyer said, clearly the Alberta Reviewer Board, board carefully considered my client's progress in his treatment uh, and how far he's come and were satisfied that these recommendations would not in any way jeopardize public safety. And the board includes a judge, a lawyer, a forensic psychiatrist, and a member of the public. Um, so, yeah, so again, a lot of it is just stigmatization. Yes. And then a forensic psychologist by the name of Dr. Patrick Bailey. Um, I don't know if he's the one on the board. It doesn't actually say in this article. I'm reading a separate article. But um, he says that uh, it makes sense. And this is a quote from him. You don't want to have a situation where members of the victim's families are bumping into him when he's on a community outing. Yeah. That would be particularly distressing for them and probably for Matthew as well. And he also said it's unlikely his uh, new freedoms will be available anytime soon. And he said, my understanding is that we're still looking at a very long-term plan for reintegration. Mm-hmm. And um, so Matthew is 27 now, so he's a year older than us. And he's okay. in full remission, according to his own forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Sergio Santana. Um and, like, the board themselves wrote that, quote, nothing can ever remove the shock and horror, horror of the killings or the impact of the families and noted that the anger and fear was palpable in the hearing. But they they found that he was, he reacted really well to treatment and because yeah. they, they've considered him fully, in full remission, they think that he is okay to at least start um, approaching the idea of being reintegr- reintegrated into yeah. the community. Because the thing is, he speak. he's also young. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, 27. he's yeah. 27, so even though, you know, this is, like they said, going to take years yes. to really, and no one really knows, because a lot of this is, like, try it and evaluate, try yes. it and evaluate. Yes. So they never really know how far this reintegration is going to go, but, yeah. like, you know, speaking for him, 
he, he does have to live with the guilt of what he did. He does, yeah. But it's also like, well, it's not up to me to say whether or not he deserves a second chance. Yeah, yeah. But um, I do have a young. quote from his father, from uh, the father of Joshua Hunter, which is one of the victims. Yeah. Um, his name is Barclay, and he says that the board's decision did not come as a surprise, and that he feels more resigned than outraged. Um, he called the review process nonsense and feels that no matter what the family say during the annual hearings, they bear no weight on the outcome. And this is a quote that he said. Me going up and sharing my story of grief and the tragedy of losing my son doesn't, in my opinion, have any impact on what the review board is going to do. And he also feels that the approach for treating the, uh, the what did you call it, the not criminally responsible, oh my god, yeah. uh, patients and working towards their eventual reintegration, no matter what their past acts, um, everything from assault to quintuple killings is problematic. And this is another quote, I really question the one-size-fits-all approach with this, given the extreme nature of what he did. The board recognizes that there's, um, the victims' families have concerns. Yeah. And the, um, and the board found a, a, another, here's another quote, irreconcilable conflict of interest and noted Santana's, uh, duty to his patient as paramount. Santana being, um, his own personal forensic psychiatrist. Yes. Uh, and the, they know that the victims, the families of the victims will most likely be angry, but, um, they say... They wrote the families last month in a joint statement, and this is a quote from it. We strongly defy anyone that suggests this risk is manageable or acceptable. The absolute evil and heinous nature of the crime you committed cannot be overstated, and the prospect of this person being reintegrated into our community is beyond comprehension. Is Oh, sorry, that's what the families wrote. Wow, yes. I misunderstood that sentence. Wow. Because I was like, um... That They're telling you, fuck you. Like... No, 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 they said that. Um, but yeah, so... Oh. That hurt. <laughs> <laughs> cracking your knuckles isn't supposed to hurt yeah no but that did sometimes it does um so back this september um matthew apologized for what he done and he told the review board he will quote do will do everything i can to help the community heal and he wants to turn my life into service for other people and he said that he heard what he thought was the voice of the devil before the attack and told a psychiatrist that he believed a war was about to begin, signaling the end of the world uh, when he arrived at the party. Hence the weird, like, yeah, activ- yeah. or not activ- uh, behavior. And how he, yeah. it's also, it also explains how since then he's obviously gone better. And when they declared him uh, fit for trial, like mm-hmm. a year after the attacks, like, of course, at that point, the, they were treating the, him. Yeah, the yeah. fit was gone. So, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to talk about the response of the University of Calgary. Um, so although the stabbings occurred off campus, um, the close relationship between the parties involved and the University of Calgary elicited a direct response from the school's community. Of course. Yeah. So the university's president, I don't know if, he's, uh, if she's still the president, but M. Elizabeth Cannon described the event as a, quote, senseless tragedy in which the community lost a part of its family. Um, on April 15th, 2015, the university held the U. Calgary Strong Festival, which is a year, like, a, it's a year to the date of the killings, uh-huh. um, meant both to celebrate the end of the school year and to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the stabbing. And, um... The festival was part of a broader U Calgary Strong initiative, which aims to, quote, reduce loneliness and isolation and foster resiliency in the face of the stressors that are a part of the post-secondary experience. Um, and Stressors of the post-secondary experience. You're yeah, right know, about that. Right. So one of the victims, Lawrence Hong, was also granted a posthumous degree in 2015. Mm-hmm. And memorial scholarships have been established for him and two other victims, Joshua Hunter and Jordan 
Segura and their respective disciplines. And that is my story on the Calgary stabbings. Yeah, that one's a tough because, again, like, I can't really say, oh, does he deserve that second chance because I've not been personally affected. Yes. And I can only say what I know um, from, like, what I studied, but that's all theoretical. Yeah. Well, you you know know what? I have a friend who, um, I guess, will always suffer from schizophrenia, but went through a period of time where it was really, really bad Mm -hmm. and was starting to, when it got to the point where it was bad, um, they were seeing... Like, they'll be, they would be sitting at school, and then they would look up, and they would hallucinate seeing people being strangled. Oh, wow. And so, but they never attacked anybody. They're, like, the sweetest thing on the planet. They wouldn't, like... But it depends on how, like... But it got to a point where they were starting to get terrified that it was going to come on to them. Yeah. And so I'm glad that they reached out and got help. But yeah. it, was, it was very, very alarming, because it was, like, everywhere they looked was death. And like, because well, here's Panic the thing, right? Like, if you as a person, if you were to see something terrible happening and your instinct is Fight to get fly, away man. from it, yeah, then chances are you're not gonna be the one accidentally causing harm to someone else, more mm-hmm. likely to yourself, yeah. But you know, not that I have any mental illnesses, mm-hmm. um, that I know of anyway, because you don't really ever know until it gets really bad and someone's mm-hmm. like, hmm, but like, I'm someone who will react oftentimes like strongly mm-hmm. like I'm I'm confrontational sometimes when I feel like it I should be so if I were to see and when you're hallucinating like it's such a difficult thing to try and question your own mind yeah right you yeah. even if you think like this shouldn't be real even if you're cognizant of that yeah how do you reconcile that with what you are experiencing yes so now, if I were to see, like, people being strangled, I would react. I would try and, like, that break was, it That up. was the thing. And I, I don't yeah. know. Um, I don't pry. I'm not one to pry. So I don't know how it was that they came about um, realizing that they weren't seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, like they were yeah. seeing it, but it wasn't happening is a better way to put it. Um, but they sought treatment, and they had to take a couple years away from school yeah. and, like, move and, like, be, like... It was, it was a big, big thing. They are doing so much better now. That's good. But it was like, imagine if they didn't have the cognizance to pull back mm-hmm. and be like, something is wrong. Yeah. Like, this person, again, the sweetest person on earth, I've, like, they've never, I've never heard them say anything but absolute positivity all the time. Aww. Like, such a gentle, gentle soul. And it's like, if I were to imagine them having reacted yeah i don't think i could blame them because like i know who they are as a person yeah and you like schizophrenia fucks with you so severely that you don't know what's real and what isn't well that's that's the whole point of it (laughs) yeah so it's like i don't know i also think i don't have the right to say anything on this but like i completely see both sides where it's like matthew's family being like he's not like this you know and him and like obviously people liked him you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't... He was uh, invited to he, the party. He was invited to the yeah. party. He wasn't violent prior. But then, on the other hand, too... It hurts to see the one that killed your child. And not just your child. Four others as yeah. well. And to kind of have to reconcile that and being like, this person is now out and about. Like, no matter what, there's always going to be that question of... Will he was do it he, again? Was, is he going to... Or, yeah, yeah. Was he really, really under schizophrenic... Uh, yeah. Schizophrenic break? Or, you know what it I mean? Like It takes a lot... To be able to forgive. And actually, this kind of reminds me, um, I'm going to plug another podcast because 
I really like this. It's called Ear Hustle. I think I told you mm-hmm. about it. Um, it's a podcast that's recorded inside a Calif- California prison. Yeah. Um, and one of the hosts is actually incarcerated in the prison. Um, and they talk about like the experiences of life inside the prison. Yeah. And sometimes they'll touch on the crimes that got certain people there if it relates to like what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, usually it's like the experience, like what's life like, yeah. what's dating like, you know, what's like your daily life looking like, what do you do for fun? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with that podcast is that a lot of the people that they talk to, um, either were there for nonviolent crimes, um, or if they were yeah. there for violent crimes, they've been there for so long that they've literally grown up. Like yes. they were there as, youth or in prison not me yeah, 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 yeah. but they were they were in prison for a long because they had life sentences they're there yeah. forever and you hear about how like they deal with the fact of what they did yeah. um and they did interview people who did commit murder yeah and um what's interesting is some some of them are like like there was one where it was about getting parole like mm. an episode where it was getting parole so um, one of the people they interviewed did end up getting parole and they asked like, do you feel like you deserve it? And the guy's like, you know what? I don't even know how to answer that because to him, he felt like he knows he's changed. He's definitely not the same person who had committed the murder, but he's also like, but someone is dead because of me. Yes. So I don't know if I deserve, I don't know if I can say it. The parole board said I deserve it, but I can't personally say that. And that's kind of like, to me, that's really... And that's another thing that no one ever takes into account, and especially with, like, call-out culture these days, like, pulling back stuff that people said or did when they were teens. Yeah. And it's, like, you, like, people don't know what the fuck they're doing, and people change so much, and I think it's important to acknowledge when people change Mm -hmm. and when people have grown and when people are making active life differences or morality differences or choices, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, aren't the same shitty person they were before. If they are, absolutely fucking flay their asses. <laughs> but I've seen people get dragged through the mud for something they said when they were like, I don't know, like 14, 15, 16. When they were like stupid and ignorant and just and going along with better. what everyone and else people was don't, saying. Yeah, and people don't ever want to uh, admit and recognize that, that they were shitty First too. of all, yes, <laughs> you were shitty too. Second of all, everything that you learned about being hashtag woke, you learned from the same sources that this other person who you're dragging through the mud also learned. Because yeah. you, you learned when you join the internet you didn't learn it innately no because everybody's brought up in a very prejudiced society like everyone around you you inherit so many things from your parents yeah. simply because you're brought up that way um like and the on top important of that thing too, is that you fight against your own prejudices yes and another thing too is to, to recognize that like if somebody is making active life changes and standing up like let's say um somebody who said something that like offensive is now like the complete opposite and is like mm-hmm. running charities or being a spokesperson or whatever like you People change and people yeah. grow. Yeah, and you can't say, oh, they're just doing it for the publicity. It's like, no, you can't assume them. that. You, can't you don't know that. them. No. And, like, they should apologize. They should be held accountable, yeah. of course. But to treat, like, but the severity that people treat others, especially when you know they've changed, it's not right. And it's no. literally, it's become a, like, well, because a bullying situation. Everyone's fighting to be on the moral high ground. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guess what? We're all humans, which means we all And the suck. thing is, like, <laughs> most people are, most people get it. Most people are good with it. Most people are like, yeah, you know what? But the know, ones whatever. who are the ones that the do, shitty are the loudest. But the thing is, when you, 
I've known of a couple of them personally, and I've since removed them from my life. Yeah. But those kinds of people, they utilize moral highness yeah. as a weapon to hurt other people. Yeah, And to, 100%. like, it's bullying in a different form. They're just bullying with, like, PC words versus when just people would bully and call you, like, slurs and all that. Yeah. And it's terrible because you have... And they have, think they're right. You think they're right. And they yeah. have people, they rally people around them because people are scared of saying anything. And like I've gotten into, I've gotten into so many fights, um, but it's like you take something that is so crucial and so 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 important and so vital, especially when like especially in the the uh, the climate that we have right now, where everything is so tense and terrible, mm-hmm. and like down in the states, it's a fucking gong show down there, and like to <laughs> let's have not this, talk about that. No, that's but, a like, whole other. When you have such a yeah, but when you have such a like. Like, people are trying so, so, so hard to make change. And you have the select few who are dickbags who are utilizing that and, like, making a joke and a mockery out of it because they're just using it to hurt other people. And then the people... And then the other kind of dickbags are using those dickbags as excuses to continue being dickbags. Yeah. There's a lot of dickbags going on. You know, I've I've once had... There's a difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Oh, and as yes. somebody who's Middle Eastern, I once had, this this always kills me because it was the I laughed so hard. I had a white girl tell me that I was racist because I said people are like I welcome people to come and experience my culture. Yeah. And she said I, I was I was perpetuating cultural appropriation. No. I was like you're white, you can't tell me what I'm doing with my own culture. First of no. all. Second of all, you got it wrong. But that's the thing. This person in particular, like so many people were afraid yeah. of saying anything, and the amount of messages I got. Because it's all on Twitter, of course, but the amount of messages I got... Of course, because that's where Mary lives. That's where I live, and that's where people have a backbone, because when I go up to them in person, they all of a sudden change. Uh, But it was like... Because you can punch them in real life. Because they have to look (laughs) at me in the face when I tell them, what exactly do you mean by that? Oh, for Um, me, it's because I can punch them in real life. (laughs) You say that, but you've never punched anybody. I have. You've punched one person. No, I've punched multiple. I was a very violent kid. Oh, when you were a kid. No, yeah, but I'm like, talking about, well, like, 13. now when you're, like, talking to people around you. No, 13, I, I was legitimately very violent. That's worrisome. Yeah. I'm, I have gotten into trouble at school. Oh, yeah, I used once. to get in trouble, too. I used to... But I did anyway. the, um, but, like, look at this face. Does yeah. This, this is a face She's making a little fucking, like, Shirley Temple-ass face. Um, but <laughs> anyway, no, like... It's, it's just, but, like, yeah, in that situation, the amount of messages from people I got being, like, I'm always terrified to say anything because, like, this person just rallies everyone yeah. against me and call, but, but they're, they are bullying other people. And it's like, you, fuck off. You can't tell me what I'm doing with my own shit. No. Anyway. Well, here's what I learned is that you always have someone who will, you will always have people who will back you up because they know you are right. Yeah. So that's why I wasn't afraid of, like, being like, no, what you are saying is wrong. And I'll have people who are like, yeah, no, you're being unreasonable. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm very fortunate that I have friends who also stand up with me. You're like, no, 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 you're right. But no, that's the thing. You've got people who take that and they absolutely abuse it. And it's so frustrating, especially somebody who's experienced misogyny and racism mm-hmm. and like, uh, like freaking, I've, I've had like every slur underneath the sun called. Like, oh, my God. Like, I've been called all that. And then to have like people try to turn around and tell me that like, yeah, I'm wrong for existing. Yeah. And just like, fuck off. Like. If I want to share my hummus with you, I'll share my hummus with you. <laughs> Please Fuck share you. your hummus with me. Yes, it's good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's the, I don't know what that last rant was, but you guys understand. What <laughs> we I mean. just like, it was bullies it in was every still a, it was still a tangent. Yeah, but our actual stories were so short that the tangent was fine. Yeah. Well, 
it's just so there's bullies in every corner and there's bullies in like in every situation and it sucks for the rest of us who are just trying to fucking make the world a better place yeah and who you know especially when like because i'm an intersectional feminist you are as well yes. and for people to take that and then turn that into a weapon when it's like we're struggling to have people just recognize that what we're doing is not meant to hurt anybody yeah or it's not supposed to yeah. anyway um thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> our, Sorry for I all think, the shuffling noises, I think by the way. our stories came up to about half an hour, and the rest of the 20 minutes Just was ranting. us bitching. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're As gonna, per usual. Yeah. We're going to go, because we have to really wrap things up. Yeah. Um, we are on the internet. Uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, at Canada Obscura, all one word. Um, I'm also going to... Uh, not social media wise. Okay. Um, I am also going to mention some of the platforms we're on because it's come to my attention some people didn't or aren't aware, even though like, because things have changed. Uh, um, we're on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify is a big one. I'm pretty sure we're on Google Podcasts. Yes, we are. Yeah. Not Apple though. Not Apple. Apple. Yeah, come we on, get f- on. Yeah, it. fucking, it's. T- I don't know. Whatever. We'll figure um, it out. If you want us to, but move, we're on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. If you want us to move the audio to YouTube, let us know. I think I need to just, like, sit down and do it all in one shot at some point and then just schedule it or something. It's <laughs> like, fuck me. This is whatever. It's a lot It's a lot of audios. It went from being, like, three audios to upload to this is 18. We're yeah. on podcast number 18. Yeah. But anyway. Your bandwidth is going to go through the roof. I don't care. We, we, <laughs> whatever. Um, we have an email, CanadaObscuraPodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up with whatever. Fucking whatever. Um, is that it? Uh... Rate us if you're on something oh, that... Right. I don't yeah. know if any of the platforms that we're on have a rating system or a comment system, but if it does, Please that do helps. So. Um, oh, yeah, because that's an iTunes thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think so, for those but I'm of not you sure who, for other platforms. Yeah, for those of you who have been, like, applauding and favoriting and all that shit through Anchor and stuff, thank you so much. Thank we you. get the notifications, and there's some Well, names, I don't anymore. I don't know why. I get all of them. Sometimes it's, I get them number a number of times. I think that they're accidentally pushing it through to me twice instead of you. Oh. Because, like, I woke up this morning, and there was one person... Who like liked our podcast, and I got it four separate times. And well, I don't my think my notifications have been repeating themselves. They have. Yeah. Okay, so it's a yeah. whole Android thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably with the last update. Anyway, um, we see your names. I recognize some of you guys. Um, thank you so much. It's a huge like smiley uplifting thingy when I'm like in the knee deep in shit, and I, I just look at my phone and I'm like, oh, so and so has liked our podcast this week like, too. Yay! Aww. Validate us. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, Hope you enjoyed. Take care of yourselves, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Testing, testing. Boob. Moving closer. And Do I closer. need to shift closer? I think we need to pop up the gain. It probably got shifted in my head. Yeah, there we go. Mm. Hi, bitches. That was me going like this. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. You guys both wear headsets or only one? Just one. Because Just one. we're super fucking busted. <laughs> um... I don't think there is, unless we use a splitter, I don't think there's a way to get to. Not on this, yeah. no. Not unless we This use... is like the most rudimentary recorded yeah. mic.